You ready to talk about eugenics? Fascism? I, I love Quite those so things. Welcome <laughs> to Out of Our Vulcan Minds. I'm Ellie. I'm Lucinda. Hello. This is the only Star Trek podcast on the internet. Only one. Only one. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You're stuck with us. Maybe we shouldn't consider doing Star Wars as well because there are no Star Wars podcasts. Mm, There's just no. I could only engage in one star-related pop culture oh, enterprise. No Stargate either. No, oh, well. not allowed. No s- Starlight? Is that a thing? Starlight uh, Express? Yeah. Not allowed that either. Are you thinking of Stardust? Maybe. None of those, anyway. <laughs> well, either way. Maybe things we can't talk about. I think I was thinking of the song, Starlight, but you know, whatever. Muse? Starlight, can you hear me, my friend? It's not can Muse. You hear me, my Does Muse have a song called Starlight? What you need. Starlight, can you hear me, my friend? Yeah, I don't know it. Do you think I should get signed? Yeah. <laughs> I've got such a, I'm the songbird of our generation, I think. Totally. Um, anyway. Let's talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about Star Trek. We watched another episode as we all want to do. Mm. And this episode is called Space Seed. Yes. Which made us giggle. It did. Even though, okay, so, oh, fuck. I, I, I literally <laughs> read the meaning behind Space Seed. I've forgotten. It does not matter. So, this episode is highly problematic. And I want to talk about it a lot. Uh, and luckily the plot is pretty straightforward. So we can get right into the like nitty gritty of the politics of it. Essentially, the Starship Enterprise is chugging along, doing its thing, you know, as it, as it does. And it comes across a ship, as many episodes begin. Uh, and they notice that there are lots of lives on board, but they're not responding. Rah, rah, rah. They like beam aboard the ship that they've found. From the 1990s. Yes, and it's been made from the 90s. Very optimistic. They reckon that in 20 years from the time that they made that show that we would be doing a space travel, but whatever. Also, as the backstory establishes, not totally optimistic about the 90s. Yeah, what else did... um, So this show was made in 1968. Yeah. Ellie, what did they think was going to happen in the 90s? They thought World War III would happen, which is also known as the Eugenics Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, as you can probably guess from its title... Was pretty full on. Yeah, I mean, no world war has been okay. chill. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> but this one also had eugenics and super. As opposed to the other ones that had no eugenics. <laughs> well, I mean, that was Hitler's goal, right? But did he actually follow through? I don't recall. He, I think he gave it a go. I'm not 100 percent on the actual yeah, definition yeah. of eugenics, so let's skim over that. Yeah, let's. Um, I don't want to talk about. Fun fact: the World War Three slash eugenics wars that almost collapsed human civilization. In the canon was moved to the 2050s once Star Trek began airing new shows in the 90s mm-hmm. and realised that didn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just, I was surprised that, you know, the makers of the show were like, yeah, in 25 years there'll be a eugenics war and we will mm. have mastered, like, a decent amount of space travel. It That timing was a bit strange to me. Anyway, they beam aboard the ship and basically it has about 80 people on board. 72. 72 of them out that work. 12 pods, non-functional, and thus dead. And 30 of them are women. Which I know. They, they say explicitly. Scotty makes sure to really hammer that home. That 72 pods and 30 are women. And the other thing they hammer home is the ethnicities as well. They're like, 
oh, European, uh, some other things. They've mentioned Oriental, which, like, I guess that's Mm. what they said at the time. Hasn't aged well. No, 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 no. Um, Yeah, so it's a multicultural... Um, by gender <laughs> we later find out I was going to say multi-gender and I'm like I don't think that's what they've got there I think they've got the good old fashioned two hey headcanon <laughs> at least five of them were non-binary yeah 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 I reckon at least 12 were queer mm. but they all were also the ones that didn't function all of them were trans <laughs> they're all trans actually yeah yeah it's canon now yeah okay cool um that's not good though they're fascists yeah Everyone on this, uh, yeah. Yeah, Kirk's trans. Kirk's trans. No way, he sucks too. Yeah, uh, Uhura's trans. Spock's gay. Yeah, we've Every, got it. Yeah. Okay, good. cool. We're done. Um, that's enough of that. Anyway, <laughs> see you next time on... <laughs> on Who's Trans? We're going to out everyone on uh, the Starship Enterprise. Oh no. That's a cool thing to do, right? Out people without them knowing. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just say that they're trans without consulting with them first. I do like to imagine that in the Star Trek future, no one cares. Like, mm. people like... Yeah, they're, they're trans. That would be nice. We are aware of that, and it does not impact our view of that person. Mm-hmm. But if we take into account how they react to a lot of other things, that is very optimistic. Headcanon, though. Headcanon. Okay, that's loud. That's the only reason people think Star Trek is space communism. Not because of <laughs> because Gene Woddenbury and all the writers, he they insisted it. that it was all hetero, it was not communism. But that doesn't matter, because they're wrong. You know, okay, side, side note. I know that this was made... In the past, and Gene Roddenberry is a problematic fave, but I feel like not even a fave, not even a fave, just just problematic. But like, if you made a wildly successful TV show, right, and you thought it was good just for story and stuff like that, but a bunch of people came up to you and they went, "We specifically think that your show is really cool because of queer representation, and that's something that we think makes it very cool and good." I don't understand the impulse to then go. No, 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 no homo, no homo. Like, it's it's so dumb. Couldn't you just be like... <laughs> but then I guess you then would be pulling, like, the JK Rowling, like, Dumbledore's gay kind of bullshit, well, like, post-creation, mm. I guess. I think the good response there is to go, well, that's not what I intended, but it's great that you can see that in there and that you have drawn something from that. But the writers and Gene Roddenberry were all like, no, nah, it's not gay. Yeah, sure, you can not, just be like, the artist is dead, not, like, whatever. Yeah, they weren't, like, aggressively denying it. They were just kind of like, it's not gay, which is disappointing. <sighs> but there's a lot more. It, it gets better over the course of Star Trek's 50-plus years. Well, in the new series, they've got a, a, a gay and a trend, so... Oh, I've got feelings about that. Yeah, why? They said the trans characters were going to be human, but they're not quite human, it's, Does it's, that matter though? There's so many aliens. Well, it's this particular alien species is a species that exists as numerous um, genders over the course of its lifetime through like different host oh, bodies. Okay. And a previous character was seen as a trans analog, even though it wasn't intended that way. But it, I just feel like it's a cop out if there's like, oh, it's an alien that's had multiple gender experiences that's made this character mm, trans. Okay. Because they kind of suggested it would just be a human character who is trans because, not because of anything, because that you know. That's just how it is. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're still we're still heading through that series now, so I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe but. it's a stepping stone that they needed to like. Oh, it's it 2020 just, though like yeah it just feels like a cop out if they do like the whole alien thing yeah not just a human who has a non-conforming gender experience mm. but we'll get that we'll see what happens yeah i just 
I feel like when you set something so far in the future, the fact that you're going to take all your hang-ups with it as well makes so mm. little sense to me. But I think, I guess you also need to remember that like these shows are a product of their time and that, you know, even with this series of Star Trek, as they are the one that we're watching now, the original yes. series. They are being progressive for their time. Yeah. But we still watch it and go, oh my God, that's so conservative and so unimaginative. But I guess it was kind of famous for the time for, you know, having a, a, a black woman on the bridge and in a, a position of control and like... Totally. Having women do stuff and... I don't know, but still. I think even all the problems we had with this episode from a modern perspective, I think ultimately it's still... I still think it's good. I just think there's a lot of minor... De- uh, or, like, yeah, side details in this that are not good. And I think, like, just jumping ahead, the people that they find on this ship are, are basically... A f- well, they are fascists from mm. this um, eugenics war where basically they said the, the scientists in the 90s tried to breed, like, a superhuman through eugenics... Uh, so, oh, one other thing we need to mention is the ship that they find is called the U- the SS Botany Bay. Um, for you know all of the Australians listening at home, it is a reference to Botany Bay, where the first fleet landed, and they bring that up at the end of the episode in a way that is extremely troubling. Yeah, it's kind of like um, initially, kind of like a connection to penal colonies. You know, mm. a collection of exiles slash outcasts mm. it's that kind of analog but speaking of their scientists they, they mention it really early on so when they find the ship from mm. the 90s box like that comes from a very barbaric period of your earth history and again spock is half human yeah it's like dude don't man, be so morally to, superior he wants to distance himself from the fascists which is fair fair enough he's trying but okay. just to jump ahead when they do board the ss botany bay um, it's basically a sleeper ship. So all of these passengers from the 90s, which was 200 years ago in this show, have been frozen, uh, awaiting to wake up from their suspended animation. Were you going to say something? Yes, just before they get on the ship. Yes. So, yeah, so from that scene, it's box like It's from your Earth history. It's very barbaric. Um, your human, your Earth scientists engineered some superhumans. And um, mm. McCoy's very quick to leap in. Not our... Earth scientists, a, a select group of uh, very ambitious scientists, which is a which is a big hashtag. Not all humans moment. <laughs> yeah, and it's also sort of like, well, it couldn't have been that small a group if it caused a world war. Like, yeah, sure, dude. Like, as far as we know, there were at least eighty, and those were just the eighty supermen, quote unquote, who were unaccounted for. So who knows how many there were? But they were all dictators of. 40 nations they mm. say in the episode so you know yeah and the one who ends up kind of being the main character from the ship was said to have been the sort of dictator of like asia and the middle east essentially a quarter of the globe they say yeah and he was the biggest and the best and the worst yeah, the best and the worst so here's a question i have for you and it's sort of related to this but not quite if you had the opportunity to go on one of these sleeper ships. You're not a fascist. You're not You're not into, um, you know, eugenics or anything like that. Am I Separate- just a, a regular person? Just, a reg- just as you are now. I just accidentally ended up on this ship. Well, no, no. But, like, say, for example, I want to say Elon Musk, but not Elon Musk. There's been some sort of opportunity for you to go into suspended animation mm. and, like, go to, like, a completely different part of the galaxy or the universe or whatever and, like, explore a new world and set up a new colony or whatever. Would you do it? And you'd have to be, like, in suspended animation for, like, 
I don't know, 100 years or something. Mm -hmm. So there's no... And you could come back, I guess, but like you wouldn't be coming back to your world. You'd be coming back to another world in the future. Yeah, totally. Would you do it? Um, would I know anyone else on the ship? Yeah, see, that's a big question for me as well. Maybe if you could take like one or two people with you. And, is, and are they guaranteed to want to come? No, I guess you'd have to talk to them about it. Damn. Like, oh God, this planet sucks so much. I don't think that's that would be thing. better though. Yeah, because if you'd just be going to some random other planet. I guess it depends whether you're going to like some rando other planet or whether you're going to like meet some cool aliens. Yeah. I mean, is this in the Star Trek universe or in our universe where there's probably not any aliens? Yeah. You don't know, there could be aliens. I feel like, uh, what is it, like, Fermat's theorem says that, like, there's probably, like, eight other habitable planets in the galaxy or something. Mm. Something like that. So, we'll see, I guess. I just don't think I would. No, I don't think I would either. It's just, it's so likely to suck. Yeah. You know? I think it's less likely to suck here. Although, the way things are going. And, like, this is the other thing I've been thinking about. We're, like, criticising like these made up fascists from the 90s but like as we are learning in you know current politics there is still a lot of real bad people around like i don't know i feel like we're going like nowadays it's 2020 and we don't believe in this that and the other and i'm like a lot of people still believe in that like well you know like um as, as i mentioned the later series retcon the eugenics wars to being in the mid 21st century mm. and I, I did tell you about also um an episode from deep space nine where they go to the 2020s and they're like Oh my god, they've literally made like like official slum towns for poor people mm. to to live in. You know, how could they let it get so bad? And there's a line from that which is like letting people suffer because you hate them is is one thing, but letting people suffer because you've forgotten how to care is just hard to understand. Mm. And like I think Star Trek's always acknowledged that like even today it acknowledges that the world we live in kind of sucks. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, anyway, back to the episode. Mm -hmm. They board the ship. They bring... So the leader ends up being a guy called Khan, who is meant to be Sikh, mm -hmm. even though he uh, has short hair and no beard, and he, the actor is Mexican. Yeah, played by Ricardo Montalban. Does a great job. I mean, he's a great he's a villain. He's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a great job, but... Um, not, not, yeah. Not the race he's meant to be, but, you know, at least it's not a white guy, I guess. Yeah, and well, that's the thing. Initially, they intended um, this superhuman character to be, I want to say, like, something Fredrickson. He was intended to be, like, a blonde Nordic so they were really going to lean into like the Aryan thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then they changed it once Ricardo Montalban got cast. But for some reason, rather than making the character Mexican, they cast him and then went, we'll make him Sikh for some reason. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. And I mean, that is one interesting thing. That they, whenever you think about eugenics, a lot of that is about race. Yeah. But I guess it can also be about all kinds of things. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> The uh, email us at vulcanmindspod at gmail.com if you want to talk about eugenics. Uh, no, don't. Please don't. <laughs> I don't believe in, I'm anti-eugenics. And I don't want wow. this to be a podcast. I don't want this to be a, a poli political podcast. Mm -hmm. But we have already said that we're anti-Nazi. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and say that we're also anti-eugenics. I hope that's okay with you. Oh, it's a bold statement, but I think I can get behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be too radical, but... Mm. Anyway, they bring Khan aboard and he kind of starts to wake up and is starting to learn. He's reading a lot about the ship on his little Kindle <laughs> that they give him in the bed. There's a really good moment with him and McCoy where he uh, wakes up. He doesn't know where he is because he was 
he's been regaining consciousness the whole time. Mm. He pretends to be asleep. He's grabbed a scalpel. And then as McCoy comes to check him over, he holds a scalpel to McCoy's throat while choking him. And then McCoy's like, well, either choke me or cut my throat. Make your mind up. And then he's like, cut this artery. It's going to kill me faster. I dare you. And it's sort of like McCoy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Oh, we haven't talked about MacGyver yet. (gasps) Yes. MacGyver. So she's, uh, the ship's historian, who is apparently super into Roman stuff based on what's in her room. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, oh, yeah, she'll know about this guy from the 90s. She's a historian. She knows history things. Yeah, and but all of her room is just, like... Paintings. Her paintings yeah. of really muscly Romans. And, and like, a painting of a Viking. Uh, I, I think Khan later says it's Leif Erikson, but it's a cartoonish, like, massive horned <laughs> helmet Vikings, which, mm. as we all know, is ahistorical. Mm. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh, she knows stuff in the past. We'll send her over. And she, as soon as she sees Khan, she just falls insanely in love with him. Like, soft focus on her. She just, like, can't keep her eyes off him. Yeah. Uh, she gets a lot of soft focus this episode. I would say I couldn't even think of a shot of her that wasn't it. Only the long shots. Yeah, some of the long shots when she was with other people. Yeah. But every close-up, it was really gentle and a lot of Vaseline in this episode. Should we we briefly cover the rest of the plot? Because now that we've touched on MacGyver's, I think we should go back and discuss MacGyver's as a character. Yes. Because that's like... Because as much as I love Khan as a villain, that's like a whole thing in this story. Yes. So more or less what happens is eventually they find out that Khan is Khan Noonien Singh, Mm. who, as we mentioned, dictator from the 1990s. He plans to resuscitate the rest of his supermen from the SS Botany Bay. Uh, He tries to take over the ship, is defeated. Luckily, MacGyver actually has a brief moment of morality. Mm. Um, Because MacGyver does try and help him take over the ship, but then kind of changes her tune when she finds out his plan is to just like kill them off one by one. And she's like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. Um, it's a very, like, she's very subservient to him very quickly. Like, she's like, whatever you say. Yeah, that, that is exactly the, the, the main troubling thing I have with the episode. Long story short, uh, Khan is defeated and him and his people and MacGyver's are exiled to a habitable yet very unpleasant planet called City Alpha 5. Mm. Now, MacGyver's. Mm-hmm. What you said, she is immediately subservient to him. Um, she's, I guess her, that attitude towards Khan really helps to demonstrate how cruel and manipulative he is and i think that's interesting in itself but the fact that a female character had to be really Mm. you know obviously emotionally manipulated manipulated by him Mm. and ultimately end up like yeah just purely subservient to him and a victim of his you know she does seem to be really like obsessed with him from the beginning though yeah there doesn't seem to be a whole heap of manipulation from khan's perspective he's kind of more or less like you're either with me or not with me like what is it and she's like i'm obsessed with you so i think in that sense it's less problematic than if he was like you know manipulating her in some way like she's down almost straight away well there is the one scene where she comes to visit him in his quarters he's like he's very you know oh it's great, you've come to see me, I love that, um, but you've got to help me take over the ship. And she's like, no, I can't. And then he, he pushes her away and he's like, oh, well, then leave. I don't want you here. And he's very, like, toy. I think he's very aware of her clear attraction to him. Yeah. And he toys with that. Mm. And, you know, he's a villain. He's bad. He's it's supposed to be bad. He's doing that. Because then he's also like, ask me my permission to stay. She's yeah. Like, Please, may I stay? And He doesn't engineer that initial attraction, but he's quickly aware of it and he uses that. 
Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Because I think, like, I really wanted her to just sort of be in it because she wanted to be in it. But, yeah, now that you've sort of brought that up, she definitely is played around with. Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, at the end, even though she has betrayed him um, and they are caught, and then Kirk is like, oh, no, we're not going to send them back down. We're not going to, like, you know, trial them in space law or whatever the hell they call it. Hmm. We're going to send them down... To this planet, Khan is more than happy to take MacGyver down with him, even though she betrayed him earlier. Like that seems like incongruous with his character as well. Yeah, I, I like to imagine he's he's a very pragmatic villain in that he wouldn't. I'm going to bring up Star Wars again. Great, Darth Vader. You know, uh, he, the bad one. The bad one. Uh-huh. Black leather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leather daddy. Daddy. <laughs> he, he. I am your daddy. daddy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so Darth Vader will strangle anyone who fails him, like, mm. immediately. Whereas I feel like Khan is the kind of villain who doesn't arbitrarily... Like, he will use what resources he has, mm. and I think MacGyver's would be the one person he had with him who would know about the time he's in. I think he would consider her a resource, which, again, I, I think speaks to the uh, just the, the pragmatism, mm. the ruthlessness of his character. Can we talk about... So that's a bit of nuance around... Khan. Can we talk about how the episode tries to inject a little bit of nuance into the perspective oh. of the Superman? So they have a meeting. So it's Kirk, Spock, Bones, and another guy. Scotty. Scotty, yeah. And so they all have like a little meeting to discuss like the Khan situation. Once they find out that he is Khan Noonien Singh. Yes, once they figure out what he, you know, that he used to be a tyrant. And so they have a little slideshow prepared <laughs> and they go through his slide deck and they're like, this is him. He was, you know, a tyrant of a quarter of the world who was like a big deal. And like, you know, he was super behind this like eugenics thing. But, you know, he was a tyrant and, like, he wasn't a great guy and he was responsible for the, a third world war. Hmm. And Spock is basically like, man, he sucks. And everyone else is like, oh, contrary, Spock, he's great. Did he's he so suck? cool. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, he was pretty bad, but also... How cool to be a tyrant, right? Yeah, Scotty's all like, I think I, I always admired him a little bit. That's such a good accent. Better than his. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't do accents, so I don't even try. But like, you could have been Scotty. (laughs) I feel like. Oh, anyway. But he, yeah, all of them are like, oh, Spock, you're not even emotional. All humans are barbaric. It's in our nature. And Spock's like, it shouldn't be. And they're like, oh, Spock, you idiot. You don't know shit. And Spock's just sitting there like. They all kind of laugh at the conclusion of that, and and I can't tell if it's intended as like, a, oh, they're just clowning Spock by pretending to like a fascist. No, no, they're not. And the thing is, as well, is they're like, oh, you can not agree with someone's actions but still admire them. And Spock's like, that is illogical. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, dude, yeah. it is illogical. Like, yeah, like it's the only one talking sense. One of them says uh, there were no wars under his rule until he was attacked, which is like, what? <laughs> Oh my god, so he was the good guy. He didn't do any wars. I he guess. didn't do a wars, but he did like How did he build that empire? Uh, mm. He definitely ugh. It's it's bad. Yeah, it's so strange. Oh my gosh. Speaking of like problematic things as well, so when they are sending uh Khan and his buddies and MacGyver down to this like planet, they're like, Oh, you know, like there's it's not inhabited, but it's gonna be really rough and wild. Like it'll be hard for you to find food and like, you know, you're gonna have to like hunt for like everything before you can build like your new civilization. Mm. And Khan's like, ah yes, a challenge. All I've wanted all I wanted was to dominate a world. <laughs> like kind of kind of boy dream. 
And then they're like, ah, yes, much like your ship, the Botany Bay. Ah, like how the first fleet landed in Botany Bay. They and they con- they conquered that continent. And we just were both like, oh, no. No, because they're actually people There on were people there, yeah. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about bloody... It's just like, it was so tone deaf. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... You know, like throughout my schooling career... Schooling career? Is that a phrase? I don't know. Why not? I, I was never made fully aware of the extent to which colonialism was awful for indigenous people like you know from that report from the guardian like recently that outlined all the massacres across australia yeah i had no i'd never been told about that throughout you know history and school and i think it's conceivable in the 60s people were just idiots and just and 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 like that kind of information was suppressed it's still it's still really tone deaf but yeah i think you're probably right because like i'm the same like none of that was really taught in school and i even made it all the way through university without hearing a lot i mean granted i did an english degree so like i mean it should have come out but it didn't Mm. and then it wasn't until i worked for um an indigenous organization i don't want to dox myself too much uh where i like learned a lot about you know like the massacres and things like that and i was just like fuck like how Mm. did it take me until i was like 22 to like learn about this in a country that I live in and I remember like one of the people who worked in this same organization as me was um from London she was over on like a you know when you travel and work and stuff like that and she was um similar age to us and she was like oh in London we just kind of assumed that like the British went over there and just like set up a country and everyone was chill with it and I'm just like Fuck, like, so maybe it wasn't so far-fetched that they were like, oh, yes, like in Botany Bay, where they, like, conquered that con- continent and it was all good and fine. Yeah. Just like Khan's going to do. And I'm just like, I feel like it has such a different implication now where they're like, these guys are going to set up something on this planet and it's going to be mm. vile. It, it's still, that line still has a bit of a Terra Nullius vibe because even if, you know, Gene Roddenberry and the lot weren't fully aware of the extent of the violence mm. done, they still knew there were people there. Yeah. I don't know, like, I guess whenever I hear eugenics, like, you obviously, like, curl away from it because it's, like, frightening. Mm. But I guess from my perspective, like, these guys were all about, like, sort of breeding extreme strength with extreme strength to create, like, an extremely strong person. Yeah. Which, I'm no scientist, but I don't think that's how it works. But, like, I guess in Star Trek that is how it works. So I guess it's got less... But then, you know, in real world, like, in the one that we live in... (laughs) Like, that word has a lot more meanings around, like, uh, you know, disability and race and gender and things like that. And But I don't think that is touched on as much in this one. They, I don't think they have any intention to engage in the nuances of what that word conjures up for people. However, like, those associations still exist in a way that it's so hard to separate from it if that makes sense yeah but i mean eugenics is most closely associated with like nazism right Mm. and i think they would have been aware of that in the 60s and i mean like the the fact that they are all hitlers Mm. you know basically they're all all the supermen are dictators i i think that was a well i guess what my what i was meaning to sort of say as well from from my understanding of like you know nazism Eugenics. We're talking about Nazis on this podcast again, which makes me a little bit nervous. It's touching on fascism. You know, you can't, like, steer away from But I feel like theirs was sort of 
removing what they saw like undesirables from the gene pool, right? Yeah. And from their perspective, that was racially motivated in the sense of removing like non-Aryans and people who were um, not straight or who had disabilities. That's what I think of when I hear eugenics. And from but this version of eugenics, you have they made it very clear that there were a variety of races on the ship. So I think they were trying to go like, oh, we're not that kind of eugenics. It's this other kind, but it's still got those implications. I, I don't think it was meant to avoid those implications. I mean, because... They're still the bad guys. They're still the bad guys. Um, and, you know, this is a family show. Yeah. Like, they're not going to go full on and go like, oh, you know, they eugenics out. It's such an uncomfortable qualities. thing to talk about, right? Oh, totally, totally. But I, I think I think they wanted to make that association, but in the context of a sci-fi show that's quite family mm. friendly. I, I, I think I think even in the sixties you couldn't not say eugenics and have that connection. Though I don't know, like that said, wasn't eugenics like a thing for like like far right US conservatives throughout twenty first century? I, I I believe so. And like it's so complex and it's so like all over the place in a way that I think a lot of people are aware of, but not consciously. This is meant to be a comedy podcast, I think. It's it's a. This is a really yeah. This is a really interesting episode because I think like it really it, it it it's it's a lot more philosophical than I think a lot of the other ones are. Yeah, I mean, um, it, we've approached every episode from a modern lens, even if that's you know, n- not obviously not what's intended for the episode originally mm. and, and this episode touches on dictatorships and eugenics mm. so i think it was inevitable we were gonna yeah go down this path i want to lighten the mood uh-huh i can lighten the mood if you want yeah unless you've got something well i was gonna say is there a horny moment um <laughs> <laughs> this the series is definitely getting less horny which i don't appreciate i do like the no. horniness to break up the the philosophy. I, I think the the later shows in the Star Trek universe were hornier. Okay, good. The, and the horniness was intentional as opposed to this, in which it's not, <laughs> to be honest, intended. Well, definitely the like subdom relationship between Khan and MacGyver is mm. somewhat horny. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, like initially, it's it's kind of like, oh look. A female character's getting to be horny. Yeah, because she's perving on him while he's asleep and while he's, like, in the hospital. She's, like, hanging out with him being like, ooh, what yeah. a hottie. And Kirk even pulls her aside at one point and is like, uh, you're too horny. And, like, and that's it, coming from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to give you a, a little fun fact that may justify that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as you might have noticed, Khan had a lot of outfits during that show. That yeah, one. he did. Uh, five different costumes. Very cool. Uh, My favourite one was that yellow one that sort of like, it was like a coat, but he didn't have a shirt underneath, so it yeah. showed a bit of chest. and it Sleeveless. Had that sleeveless, and it had like a cool embroidering down it. That was very cool. I feel like that was intended to be vaguely Indian. It was very Orientalist, but yeah. I still thought it was hot. It was so. still cool in It itself, was still yeah. pretty and cool. Um, so, because of all those uh, costumes, had to have a lot of measurements done, mm. um, and due to Ricardo Montalban's um, physique, you know, he's, he's quite buff, mm. because of that physique, the um, tailors thought the measurements were wrong. <laughs> he's Just too like, hot. <laughs> no, no man is this buff. Mm. He is pretty buff. I mean, he is supposed to be a Superman, so like... Yeah. 
He's got to be. He's got to be pretty ripped. He does. Um, he does have a, a fight scene at the end with Kirk. Um, oh. Yeah, and he, he tosses Kirk around like a like a rag doll, which is fun. My favorite moment was when he throws Kirk up against this like mesh fencing, and Kirk like clings onto it with his two hands, and then kicks at Khan with his feet. <laughs> Doesn't he like try and like strangle him with his thighs, or or, or maybe like... I didn't notice that, but maybe he gave it a go. That was that was definitely. Yeah, it's it's a good move. It was um, very tactical. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was the horniest moment. Yeah, using your environment. <laughs> if um, you gotta go, being strangled by like between someone's thighs, it's hot. I imagine you haven't really seen any James Bond films, but in one of the Pierce Brosnan ones, which are the campus to all James Bond films, mm. there's a villain called Xenia on a top. What's her name? Xenia on a top. Uh huh. She kills people with her thighs. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's James Bond, what do you expect? <laughs> um, the other great thing about that fight scene is that it's not like a, it doesn't end in a particularly clever way. Mm. Kirk just finds a bit of pipe and just beats <laughs> with it. <laughs> I, I made the, um, oh, is it Nicki Minaj? The, but he'd be really taking that pipe forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Nicki Minaj. I, I didn't get it. Oh, I, is it? I don't know if you could tell. Yeah. I just. Uh, politely you just agreed. went <laughs> ah yes he certainly is I've actually got one kind of nice fact about um, Khan mm-hmm. the, the like the character development of the character sorry the writing development like the process of coming up with the character um, as I mentioned he was originally a white guy mm-hmm. um, and then so they, then they, reca- they remade the character to be you know Indian for some reason mm-hmm despite the actor being Mexican. Mm-hmm. He was originally called Sibal Khan Noonien, and then the name Govin... Oh, God. Govin Bahadur Singh was suggested by the DeForest Research Company, who, you know, actually did research into actual Sikh names. Mm-hmm. But then they eventually settled on Khan Noonien Singh because Gene Roddenberry had an old friend called uh, Noonien Wang, uh, who he'd lost contact with, and mm-hmm. so he named Khan Noonien Singh that as, like, a way to try and get this guy to get in touch with Gene Roddenberry. Did it work? It didn't mention. Like, the fact I found, it didn't say. That's amazing. It's, it's still kind of cute, though. I mean, it's cute. You don't want to be... You don't they didn't wanna... have Facebook in 1968, so, like... That's what you did. Yeah. You made a TV show, <laughs> and then 20 episodes in... You go, I'm going to give this character the same middle name as you. you. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, in like 20 years, you'll see my new episode of my new show, whatever, and it'll be, ah, Space Hitler, Lucinda. (laughs) Oh no, don't name one of the fascists after me. (laughs) I mean, that's literally what Gene Roddenberry did. And then I'll be like, oh, Ellie, I remember we had a podcast together, right? Mm, Maybe Um, I should give her a call. If only Facebook hadn't been disbanded after Mark Zuckerberg turned out to be... um, dictator of a quarter of the world <laughs> ah, ah interesting tying it all together <laughs> good 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 have we got any other facts no that's about all as far as facts go we're going all right we didn't rate the last episode <laughs> oh damn do we need to rate the episode um i don't even know what to rate anymore like i don't even know what do the what do the ratings serve? I feel like we always just give everything a three and then move on. I, I gave something a five. I gave Balance of Terror a five. Yeah, you did. I've given some fours and three and a halves. I've given a one, I think. Oh, what was that for? Oh, I think we both gave Mary a one. Oh, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Space Seed. Because then the title refers to how Khan and his buddies will be the seed of new life. 
there, there was another reference to seed that like that was one of them mm. there, was a, there was a second kind of connection to the title but I don't remember what it was mm-hmm. we know what I'm going to give Return of the Archons going to leap back to that uh-huh. for everyone who just came off that we episode. literally watched that today and I, I'm trying like to re- like maybe two hours ago and I, I can't even remember it I'll give you some refreshers uh, Spock's clothes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we're, we're back. We're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shit, I'll give that I'm one. so stupid. I'll give that one a three because there's like the, like just after the middle, it gets quite slow, but otherwise it is pretty fun. Here's where I'm going to blow your mind. No. Last episode, I'll give it a three as well. What? Same. Like, good, fine. A, a good episode. Yeah. This is a four because, I know, and that's high for me. Yeah. I don't, I've never gone above a four. The only other four I've given was the naked time. What did she give Balance of Terror? I feel like you would have given that a four, surely. Maybe gave it a four. It was a great app. Maybe I gave it a three and a half. That's heresy. <laughs> anyway, While yeah. I disagree with all of the politics of this, yeah. it's given me a lot to think about. It you know, it's talking a lot about like ethics and humanity and like thinking about the future and like different ways humanity could go it's mm. it's a thinking episode it wasn't too plot heavy but it also wasn't too plot light i normally like the sillier episodes but like i really liked this one and i think just because like i'm still thinking about it a lot and like khan is like a genuinely kind of threatening force he's very calm he's very level-headed but he's so intent on like malice uh and he he makes such a sort of that same sort of like intellectual villain that you see in a lot of shows where mm. they're so set on their plan and nothing's going to stop them and they're so intelligent like mm. i find that interesting and but then obviously at the same time you disagree with his politics so much he's a really compelling villain absolutely yeah i think a lot of that's down to um ricardo Montalban's performance yeah he's definitely a great actor in this yeah, he, he feels, he does feel threatening. And I think that um, is that it's, for me, I found him the most threatening when he was really toying with MacGyver's. Mm. Like it was unsettling because she was like, yeah, I have problems with her character being so passive and like played around with, but I think she did quite a good job of playing a character who was, you know, totally uh, a victim of this guy's manipulation. It's so interesting. And then the fact that like, Everyone's just fine with her going down to the planet with them. Like, they're so unconcerned with her well-being. Yeah, I don't love that, yeah. Yeah. But the other thing as well is I, whenever I see the other villains in episodes of Star Trek, they are just, like, acting so much. And you know when you're watching shows and you can just feel people acting? You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's so much like, they are acting. It is serious. Like, I felt like with Khan and the guy who plays him, whose name I've already forgotten. Ricardo Montalban. Mm-hmm. His performance was so organic in a way that I think not a lot of villains in Star Trek are. And, like, some of them overplay that in a way that's comedic um, or interesting. But I think this is the first one that I've seen that's, like, properly organic and feels really natural and feels really threatening. Mm. It's interesting. I definitely agree. Like, for all the problems I have with this episode, Khan is such a great character that this is a classic. And And... For context, Khan is considered like one of the best villains of the Star Trek universe. Mm. And it may also interest you to know that the second Star Trek film is called The Wrath of Khan. Mm. So I guess he's been on the planet for a while and he he has some things to to do, right? Yeah, he's just kind of, you know, he's taken that time to really chill out, learn that mm. what he did was wrong. He's kind of like, hey, Building an Kirk, equal society. Kirk, I made some errors. I'm really sorry for what I tried to do. 
He's like, I've actually built in like a really good government system, hmm. like some real good like yeah. ideas where, you know, we're an egalitarian society and we all just really love each other and we're having a good time. I can use my superior abilities to benefit other humans. And my wrath is them. towards myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's an inward wrath. Yes. <laughs> um, didn't you say that he's played by a certain uh, Bendy Dick Cumbersnatch? Yeah, so the J.J. Abrams movies, um, uh-huh. which we discussed with Charles, um, mm-hmm. are terrible. Yeah. Um, you haven't seen them though, have you? No, I haven't seen the J.J. Abrams. No. So, Khan Noonien Singh in Star Trek Heart... No, not Heart of Darkness, it's called... Into Darkness. Uh-huh. Yeah, Benedict's come... H.P. Lovecraft comes back from the dead. <laughs> directs a Star Trek film. What? <laughs> Isn't Heart of Darkness? Oh, that's um Joseph Conrad. Uh, <laughs> I gotta delete this and the rating poem. Why am I so stupid? I love this. I was almost gonna say Edgar Allan Poe, but that's the Telltale Heart. Yeah, that's closer though. I think time wise, anyway. I'm so stupid. It's all good. Joseph Conrad, interesting because he was very anti-colonialist. Um, mm. Anyway, what, uh, b- b- Benedict Cumberbatch plays Khan in the J.J. Abrams film Into Darkness. Yeah, and he talking about acting. My God, you you know what he's he like. acts the hell out of everything. He acts the fuck he out act, of that role. He acts so hard. He's all like, "My name is Khan Noonien Singh," and it's like his eyebrows are twitching. And he's so, so bad. <laughs> I have so much. He does. He does. Um, he does Blade Runner a guy's head. Blade Runner guy's hair. Uh, you know, like um, Roy Batty. With oh, with the eyes. Oh. Actually, it cuts away, but I think in Into Darkness, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch actually squishes it. Oh, that doesn't happen um, in uh, Blade Runner that he just pushes the eyeballs. Yeah, into that's his why. Hair. That's why. I, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, it's worse. Such than... a problematic scene. Is it? Well, just problematic in the sense that I have to then think about it and have that image oh. in my brain. Not like politically problematic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Problematic no, it's for me. It's yeah. I think I need to stop using oh. the phrase problematic and just say like bad or unpleasant or <laughs> uncomfortable to watch. Sure. Because it's so close up as well, so you're just like watching the thumbs go, and they have it so that you actually watch the, the thumbs eyes. go in, not fully, but yeah, like a but little like, bit. It's just like normal. Don't do. Oh, don't, I'm sorry. Don't I'm put sorry. your thumbs on your eyes. <laughs> no, but like either you can like kind of do that without actually pushing. Yeah, your I think they must use a dummy or something because he does get pretty far in before. Doesn't like blood start to run out, or am I thinking of something else? I think you're thinking of something else. Probably, I'm thinking of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I just study um, Blade Runner for my HSC, so Same. I have watched it many times. Same. Did you have to do Franken Runner? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I love both of those, honestly. Oh, so dude, except for the chapter where Frankenstein has to like walk up a mountain for a whole chapter. <laughs> Not Frankenstein. Fuck the. the yeah, Frankenstein. Oh. No, Frankenstein. Doctor Frank. Yeah, Doctor Frankenstein. Well, here's the thing. The monster considers Dr. Frankenstein his dad, right? Yeah. So he is a Frankenstein. It's okay to call the monster Frankenstein <laughs> because he's Frankenstein's son. Yeah. Frankenstein was my father. <laughs> Just call me monster. <laughs> no, but there's that moment where Dr. Frankenstein is like, I was walking up a mountain and everything was really pretty. But then I thought about the monster oh. that's chasing me and that bummed me out. And then I kept walking up the mountains and I saw the majesty of the, the sun and the grass and I had a great... I felt really good. Oh, yeah. And then I remembered that my evil son is chasing me. Bummer. <laughs> and that was a whole chapter. My beautiful evil boy. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's gothic. I remember when I was reading that, I was like 17. I was like, this monster has spoken English for two months and has a better vocabulary than me. 
fuck. <laughs> I'm such a stupid little bitch. <laughs> Good stuff. With that tangent, should we... Um... Which one? Oh. Yeah, we, we did a lot there. Cool, are we done? I think we're done.